Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure listen. The podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure look, sure listen. Sure look, sure listen. Sure look, sure listen. Sure look, sure listen. Sure look. Sure listen. Sure look, sure listen. Sure look, sure listen. Benjamin, I tell you one thing, Benjamin, there's not much going on this week. We're in the January slumps, as we used to call it. Ah, the old slumperoonies in January. That's what we called it while we had t-shirts made and everything. But sure, look at Ben. That's not going to stop us from taking a look at some Fast and Furious news. We're also going to have a hint of the slightest little hint of a rumour about one James Gunn. And, Uh, Benjamin, we're having a look at Peacemaker episode five, I think it is. Yes, it is. And that's pretty much it. That's all we've got, Michael. Sure, listen. Yes. Sure, listen. That's not enough to do a weekly pop culture podcast. For the first time ever, you got to say it and it was right. It's completely accurate. So what we're also taking a look at, Michael, is side hustles. Those bloody sidekicks, Michael. Mm. Now, come into your hero's life and someone somewhere on the editing team has said, yeah, that's what he needs. That's what he needs, a sidekick. A boy sidekick. A sidekick. And they proceed, Michael, to become the most irritating character that you've ever run into. Very good, Benjamin. Benjamin, I don't think side hustle means what you think it means. Uh, no, it's a, it's a product of late stage capitalism, Michael. Side hustle means uh, to turn any kind of ounce of joy or passion or love that you have into some sort of money making scheme. Yeah, let's do a podcast. Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what are we doing? Benjamin, do you know... Well, they, actually, sorry, just very quickly, yes. Michael, they have to make money to be considered a side Yeah, no, you just have to keep hustling, Ben. If it doesn't make money, you have to hustle more, is my understanding of post-millennial pop culture. Benjamin, I'm going to ask yeah. you a question, Benjamin, right? And you're going to tell me if you know anyone who fits the description. Benjamin, do you know any large, burly men who aren't that picky about the roles they choose? Because I tell you what, Ben, if you do, Vin Diesel would like to have a chat with them about being in the next Fast and Furious movie. (laughs) Michael, of course, we're talking about your little bit of stunt casting in Fast and Furious 18, The Ride of Your Life. It's going to star you as a big burly man. Oh, very good. I'll be... You don't really mind being in anything. (laughs) I'll be 50 or 55. It'll be very good. (laughs) Uh, Michael, you are, of course, referencing the fact that uh, the next Fast and Furious is going to have a lot of... Yeah! So, Benjamin... I don't know if Jason Momoa was ever was ever was the poor man's The Rock, but he's certainly going to end up as the poor man's The Rock if he keeps going down this path. Uh, I, look, I I think, hmm, go on. That's an interesting question, Michael. Go on. Do you think he's going to be related to The Rock? Is there going to be a Samoan tie-in? Is he going to be The Rock's little brother? <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Because they already went and got a whole family of The Rocks. Why there's didn't... there's a bunch of... There's, a, there's, a, there's an entire... Um, Island. an entire geological structure yeah. involved. Rocks, pebbles. Very good. Very good. Geodes. Yes. Why didn't they get Roman Reigns, Ben? I don't know, Michael. I'm not sure. Perhaps Roman Reigns will be in it, Michael. We don't know yet. Maybe he will, Benjamin. I was going to say, maybe he's no use at acting, but they've got they've got uh, Jason Momoa, so that obviously discounts that. And Vin Diesel, Michael. And Vin- Let's not forget that Vin Diesel and- is the star of that movie. And Vincent Diesel. <laughs> Vincent. Vincent Unleaded. Uh, yeah, it's going to be... Look, does it matter anymore? People are going to go see it. Are they, though, it. Ben? The last one was utter drivel and was a bit of a failure. Oh, was it now? Yeah, and sometimes that's all you need to get people back on the right track. To to scupper a to scupper a never ending franchise, as it were. Oh God, Ben, is it over? I think it's nearly over. Thank Christ for that. Benjamin. Yeah. And that's it, that's it for the news this week. <laughs> that's well, we have yeah, so <laughs> that's it. There's not a trailer, there's not an announcement to be seen, there's nothing. There's um there's a new Halo trailer out tomorrow, Ben, so I suppose we'll have a look at that then. Prime podcasting. Absolute <laughs> podcasting gold. Book of Mando or Book of, what's it called? Book of Boba is going on. It's still happening. I haven't watched any of it, Michael. My dad likes it. Does he? Yeah. What's Watches he th- it what's all he, the time. What's he saying about it? He says it's very good. Not as good as The Mandalorian. But, you know, they're tying some stuff together from all the other Star Wars stuff that's that's going on. Oh, very good. The Mandalorian is in episode five, apparently. Apparently, I haven't seen anything past episode one, Michael. I haven't even seen episode one, Benjamin. Bryce Dallas Howard has directed an episode, I believe. 
apparently they want her to get her own series as a result of that in a rare moment of supporting a woman within the Star Wars fandom. Isn't Star Wars a woman? Uh, Star Wars is not a woman, Michael. I thought Star Wars was a woman. I thought Kathleen Kennedy was a woman. Georgina Lucas famously wrote, directed and created the entire universe, Michael. But she was ousted by her long-lost stepbrother, George Lucas. He stole the whole thing. Yeah, and then they fucked. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin! Yeah, it's good. It's like the film um, Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, okay, sure, if 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 you say so. What but, the fuck? Yeah, you know the one with, uh, what's her name, with Buffy Vampire in it? Yeah, Sarah Michelle Gale. Th- that's it, yeah. You know that one where she has a stepbrother? I think it's Ryan Felipe. Yeah, p- possibly. Yeah. Possibly, Michael. I really think she missed a step when she didn't take that final syllable off her name. Sarah Michelle Gale has a real ring to it. Mm. Sarah Michelle Gale or Ben, you hardly know her. Benjamin. Yes. Peacemaker episode of five was on. Michael, speaking of bloody wrestler actors who are not shite. Yeah, I'm trying to get out from under the shadow of the rock. Jonathan Cena. Yes. What what a man. What range, Michael. (laughs) Benjamin, this is the best show on television. I don't care what anyone says. I will wrestle anyone who who disagrees. And you'll probably win, Michael. You're a burly man. Even if it's Roman Reigns, Ben, I'll wrestle him and say... I don't know if that's a good idea, Michael. I'll wrestle you, Roman Reigns. Oh, He might take you up on that. Wrestlers are notoriously... Challenge forward. (laughs) <laughs> they might just be like yeah alright alright then Ben let's just put it out there I challenge any WWE wrestler who <laughs> thinks this isn't the best show currently on TV to a wrestling challenge match the only hope you have in this competition Michael because you're a big burly man it's not the only hope you have y- yes, ben. you're a big burly man yes, ben. is that John Cena hears your support for the show and goes oh go give him a hand oh yeah we could do a team up you do a team up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. great 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 Benjamin I had a really mean joke about how you had the bald eagle part of the sidekick role stitched up. Go on. Because you're bald. Oh. Mm. It's um, it's by choice though, Ben. It's, it's, I know, I know. It's but bit, that doesn't really... It's a bit personal. That doesn't really hamper the joke, no. as it were. Oh. oh, that's a bit mean. Is this, how it feels, <laughs> is this how it feels when I call you a racist or a sexist or something on the podcast? No, because people, people know that I'm not those things. But, you know, you can't really deny my bald eagle joke, can oh. you? Oh, no, the double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> Twice right in the heart. Oh my god! Some, um, some so more I'm about to get lambasted, ladies and gentlemen, for various sexist, homophobic, and racist things over the rest of this episode. I've woken the bear, as it were, the big bald bear, Benjamin. <laughs> yes, it was a it was a light on plot, heavy on action, and fun episode. I also thought that Michael, it's a bit of a filler. You could argue it was a filler episode. It certainly didn't move the plot on as much as any of the others. Exactly. Filler in name, Michael, but not filler in spirit because it was still quite enjoyable. I didn't uh, feel like I was wasting my time. I felt like it was a good little opportunity for a few little few little smidgens of character growth. A few little smidgens of character growth, exactly. After everything we learned about um, Vigilante last, last week, for him to just be kind of reduced back to the comedy sidekick so quickly. Yeah. It, it, but, there's little bits jarring about it. Mm. But at least Economos got a chance to shine. Economos is a stud. He's Michael. a real stud, Ben. Uh, I think, you know, it's interesting. I I think, and I could be giving James Gunn a little too much credit here, Michael. I don't know if you can give James Gunn too much credit, Ben, but we'll get to that later. But I, I think the reversion of Vigilante to a, a kind of a goofball again is a false sense of security, Michael. Um, oh. I, I think the comment that Vigilante makes to Peacemaker after the Economist thing about the chainsaw, where he says, I, I think he's fucking with me, man. I think, <laughs> you know, I think that's going to lead to a much bigger plot line down the road. Because Vigilante's not all there, Michael. No, he's not all there mentally, Ben. He's he's a bit of a loon. He's a bit of a loon, Michael. Hmm. A loose cannon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think I think we're being lured into a, oh, everybody's getting on fine, and we're going to get a big old slap in the next episode. Michael. Ooh, very unpleasant and very typical James Gunn. Very typical James Gunn, Michael. Somebody might die. Mm, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but come here to me. Come here go, to me. Go on, yeah, I'm listening. Bloody John Cena and action. Oh, num num num. It's non-stop, Ben. He's doing a big jump. Oh, I loved it, Michael. I loved the warehouse. I loved more butterflies. So many, I never ben. thought... Huh? So many. So many, Michael, throwing themselves at doors. There's a fucking gorilla. There's a gorilla, Ben. I thought when they referenced the gorilla a couple of episodes ago, I thought they might be leading towards a gorilla grod sort of thing. That's what but I thought as well, Michael. No, That's no, they just killed him with a chainsaw two episodes later. Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the 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 whole um, the butterflies in people's heads and John Cena being the only one who can see them and then going around and killing them with a shotgun was very Roddy Roddy Piper's They Live. I've ne- oh yeah, with the glasses, with the special magic glasses, where he's the only one who can see the aliens. I have no doubt, Michael, in my mind that one James Gunn was probably heavily inspired by the concept. Yes, especially as Roddy Roddy, Roddy Piper is another wrestler. Yes, he's another wrestler. John Cena was probably like, I was just speaking with Roddy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper, sorry. Yeah. And uh, he said to me, why don't you take a scene from my, my famous cult classic, They Live? Yeah, and then he pulled up his kilt and showed me his bottom. Yeah, and that was that, and it was great. And they, um, So we're going to put it in this now. And James Gunn, being a much smaller man than John Cena, said, yeah, all right, John, whatever you want. Whatever you want, John Cena, you're very large. You're very large. Uh, Michael, come here to me. I think uh, I, have a, I have a theory now. Do you think Eagly is a bloody butterfly? No. Oh, okay. I was just going to enjoy that one. I was just going to roll around for a bit, but that's okay. Okay. We'll move on from there. No, I don't think so. He's too small. He's probably too small, Michael. But as Vigilante said, it'd be cool, though. How would it be cool? It's not cool. That's what I said. Well, uh, what I thought was interesting was Vigilante said, wouldn't it be cool if everyone was in a chihuahua? And we did. We were introduced to Adebayo's three small dogs at the start of the oh. season. So maybe he's going to end up in one of them. But I don't know if James is going to kill a dog in a in a... Network TV show. I know it's not network TV, but I still don't think he'd do it. But he might, but I don't think he will. Oh, it's it's a it's a curious question, Michael. It's mm. a curious question. We'll we'll see how it goes, Michael. Do you know what I found out about this? What did you find out about it? Because you and I have have raved about the opening credits of this bloody televisual show. Yeah, everyone's in a big dance together. Everyone's doing a big. Do you know what that is, Michael? Someone the- analyzed it and they figured it out. What is it? It's a dance. They're event. dancing in the pattern of Space Invaders. Are they? Oh, yeah. They're dancing oh, yeah. in the pattern do, of Space do, Invaders, do, do, and the do, movements do, that John do, Cena do. is making mimics some of the little bites that you see on the screen, some of the little invaders in Space Invaders. And then when you see uh, bloody Patrick White's character doing the the boom thing with his hands, it's the bloody cannons, Michael, at the base of the screen. That's why he's so far forward in the screen. Who's Patrick White? Sorry, what's his name? Patrick... First, you mean Robert Patrick? Yes, I've, I've confused Patrick White with White Dragon, and I've confused them together in my head. Very good. Um, which Patrick, isn't fair on Robert Patrick. He's a very Patrick good actor. Patrick White nationalist. Very but, good. Uh, <laughs> Robert Patrick at the base, very like furthest to the front of the screen. Michael doing his little boom thing is the cannons at the base. So someone analysed it, and they're like, "Oh, it's Space Invaders! Mm. It's fucking." Benjamin also because he was the worst dancer. Did you know that the that the lady who plays Hardwick is uh, that her I name? Think it's Hartnett. Hart Josh Hartnett. Yes, the lady who yeah. plays the character of yeah. of Argos agent Josh Hartnett. That's James Gunn's lady friend. Get out of town. Bit of old nepotism there for you, Ben. Nepotismo. She's very good, though. She's friends. quite good in it, in, in her defence. It'd be much worse, Michael, if she was absolutely awful. If she was no use, like when Kevin Smith casts his wife and stuff. <laughs> oh, oh, a little dig at Kevin Smith there. She's not great. She's not great at acting. She's shite. <laughs> um, she's shite. And that's, that's, a, that's coming from a misogynist, so that's I know how bad classic bench. I was actually going to keep all of these in a notebook and then bring them up at the end. Everything misogynist <laughs> or racist, you said. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I did not know there was a little bit of uh, nepotismo going on there, but that's good, isn't it? A little bit of nepotism, classic James Gunn. Benjamin. Yeah. It's very good. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Is it a six or is it a tight eight? Um, I'm kind of hoping it's a tight eight, Michael. I'm not ready to say goodbye. Yeah, it's too soon. Benjamin. Yes. In good news, rumours are... Sw- and we don't usually cover rumours on this podcast because we don't we usually don't. have time, Ben. But this week we're doing a thing that we call in the industry, Ben, what's known as padding. Yes, fluff where, piece. Fluff, where we fill the podcast with less engaging stuff because we have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> Benjamin, there are rumours swirling around the internet <laughs> yeah. that um, James Gunn is eyeing up a second series of a different character from the Suicide Squad. Oh, that'd be bloody good. Getting it's the their weasel. Own, getting, I hope it's the weasel, Ben. <laughs> I hope it's just 10 minute shorts of the weasel being gross. <laughs> We discover where he came from slowly. Yeah, it'd be gross. Gross and horrible. Maybe Brad weasel. Pitt will do one of his famous mini cameos and he will have been the weasel's human form before he who, became the weasel. Who played the weasel? Oh, it was Sean Gunn who played the weasel. Sean Gunn played the weasel. Who would you like to see, Ben, other than the weasel? As completely who, redundant as it would be, my heart wants bloody Rick Flagg to have somehow survived, but I know that's never going to happen. Benjamin, you um, hated Rick Flagg in the first one. 
I know, but I just like to see him take on Peacemaker in a round two style scenario. Ah, oh, no, he's dead as a doornail, Ben. We saw yes, his heart he exploding. He's very dead, Michael, for the purpose of the fact that James Gunn was literally, literally killing the uh, killing the original. Yeah, movie. he couldn't couldn't do Harley Quinn though. Benjamin, yeah, I would like uh, to see a series focused on Katana. You don't want to mess with her, Ben. She could kill you with a single stroke of her sword. She steals the souls of her enemies. Yeah, you don't want to mess with uh, her. I'm intrigued Michael, by where that might go. I would love to see what would you love Rat to see? Catcher and. Uh, bloody oh no I don't know I'm not familiar with that character it's not my uh, oh no it's a very popular 80s character that was slipped in on the B team Michael that got obliterated at the start oh very good I would like to see Ratcatcher and yes his uh, Idris Elba's character whose name escapes Bloodsport Bloodsport I'd like to see the two of them mm, that on might a team up that might be a bit of a high profile one uh, yeah probably I mean yeah, yeah, probably would. Is Idris yeah, Elba right. bigger than John Cena? I'd say he is. I'd say he is in terms of the, the things he can get. I, I don't know. He might have been before this, but not anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think John Cena's been slowly gaining a lot of ground. Like mm. He's in a lot of American blockbuster comedies that we don't see. Go on. Um, so he's he kind of frequently features in... Um, you know, ensemble American comedy casts. People cock like blockers. Leslie. Huh? Cock blockers. There's cock blockers. And then there was, um, I think it's called Honeymoon Crashers or something. All right. And he, he plays something absolutely insane in that. But they're quite popular on the Americans. He's, he's, he's growing slowly, Michael. Mm. I've seen he's been making some very good moves for years, apart from being Jason, or not Jason Statham's little brother, Vin Diesel's hidden long-lost brother. Older brother, I think. He was his older brother, wasn't he? Fucking mental. Yeah. Um, but in general, I don't know, it's hard to say. Who would you like to see, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you like to see? Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man, a little bit more Polka Dot. He was squished. He was squished, though, and I don't like prequels, so that's a bit, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, what a waste of Polka Dot Man. Yeah, well, it wasn't, Ben. He, he was great. I wonder, Michael, in a crazy world, did he maybe get flattened into some kind of circle that looks like a polka dot, and that means that he can come back through an interdimensional portal of some kind? No, mm-hmm. I think he got splattered into blood. No, and he bones. just got squished. Yeah, yeah, it's a James Gunn classic. Yeah, he got very sore. Looked very sore. Uh, he's also confirmed a bunch of rumours, Michael, since we're, since we're in the, uh, the, the padding section of the podcast. <laughs> He's also confirmed that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 yes. will be the final iteration of that team. Good. Yes, good. Because I'd imagine Marvel is now scarpering to sideline bloody Chris Pratt. Get rid of um, him. <laughs> Chris Pratt, who is digging such a deep hole for himself consistently. Benjamin, I was desperate to find out where um, where the, the, the fad of calling Chris Rat Crisp Rat came from. And... Uh, I th- Go on. It was James Gunn. Was it? It was uh, on the set of um, on the set of Suicide Squad. They had a rat called Chris P. Rat. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's why people call him Crispy Rat. Oh my god! Isn't that fabulous? That is quite. It's quite something. Mm. It's quite. I don't know what to say to that. But uh, it it has all but sent the internet into a frenzy, Michael, because now people are are doing like a James Gunn lottery, where they're like, which of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters are we going to see die? All all of them, I'd say. I I think we'll see a significant amount of them kick the bucket. Mm. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put a few chips down on the old poker board oh. of movie predictions. Go on, that's a couple of mixed metaphors for you there, Michael. Yeah. You don't really predict things in poker. That's well. That's I'm going to reckon. Bit. I'm going to reckon, Michael. Yes. That Mister One One Crispy Rat takes yeah. a nosedive. Yes. He's going to do the big sacrifice. He'll be given that at least. I reckon we're probably going to see the end of Drax. Probably yes, because we've spoken very. Or um, one bloody Batista has spoken very clearly on how he'd like to step away. Mm-hmm. I think we might see a goodbye to a. To a raccoon? I wouldn't be surprised, Ben. Even if they do a thing, uh, a kind of end of his natural life cycle sort of thing. Yeah, he, just a classic, a pretty... I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I'm old now. I'm a raccoon at the end of the day. I, I've been old for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like the oldest raccoon in the universe. Uh, yeah, so I think we might see a little bit of that. I think we might see a Gamora Groot survival rate somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, they've both already died. Yeah. 
Uh, so then we will probably get rid of uh, a Pom Clementov as well. I, I think we're going to introduce a whole bunch of new characters, Michael. I can't see them killing Mantis, to be honest. Really? I think, I think they'll leave Mantis alone. I think she'll survive, but kind of drift away or something like that. Oh, okay. You know, it'd be, right. it'd be a bit too much of a blow to kill off one of the only purely nice characters they have. It's it's true. It's true. He has said, though, Michael, that he would be open to a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, but it wouldn't be with the same iteration. Yeah, get a, get a whole gang of new people in. Why not? It's exactly. a James Gunn classic. Exactly. Benjamin. Yeah. I suppose, in a way, the Guardians of the Galaxy, it was really set up so that the first one was really a Star-Lord film, wasn't it? And the others were all just his annoying sidekicks. Yeah, and then it slowly became clear that Star-Lord was going to become the butt of just about every joke yeah, in they the really, Marvel Cinematic Universe. They really did Star-Lord wrong. Whatever you think about Chris Ratt, they, Chris Ratt, his name's not Chris Ratt, whatever you think about Chris Pratt, <laughs> um, they really did Star-Lord bad, didn't they? They really made him an absolute fucking goon. See, that's this is what I'm so curious about, right? I think that yes. happened because people don't like Chris Pratt. People loved Chris Pratt, Ben. People they loved did Chris, yes. by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, but by the time Avengers Endgame had come out, Michael, by the time those movies had made their way forward, Chris uh, Chris Pratt had revealed himself to be a bit of a dolt. Mm. And I, I think people like the Russo brothers and James Gunn probably aren't the biggest fans of weird religious mega churchy stuff. Mm, possibly. Benjamin. Yeah. Get rid of him anyway. Get rid of him anyway. Benjamin, who are some good sidekicks and who are some bad kick- sidekicks is the segue I was trying to set you up for. That's the, the most buttery segue I've ever heard, Michael. <laughs> it would have been great if I hadn't chosen that moment to launch into a tirade against Crispy Rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a lot going on there. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably talk about it later in therapy. Very good. Um, it'll be good. He so is anyway, handsome. He, 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 uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, no, I can't take that away from him. Aesthetically on point yeah yeah very handsome man even with yeah. a bit of extra weight Ben he's still quite good looking he's still got he's still got a lot going on Michael there's nothing wrong with a little bit of extra weight well Sometimes. there is for your heart health oh for your for your actual overall that's it we're going to be cancelled now Michael this will be the thing that lays us low we've just fat shamed that's, oh have it's we all over now I didn't fat shame him though I was just concerned about his heart health no facts don't care about your feelings Michael it turns out being fat is fine as long oh. as you're okay with it, I'm glad you said. Any damage. I'm glad you said. Facts don't care about your feelings, man. That's great. Now we're going to get a Spotify deal. <laughs> yes, several. Oh, hold on, um, shit. hold on a second, Ben. Neil Young is at my door. He's coming to beat me up. <laughs> I was just about to go. <laughs> this just, is this is one of my favorite. Can we do a little bit of meta podcast news? Then hold on, Ben. Just let seconds. me. Uh, hold on, just one second. Just let me just deal with this for a second. Just tell him I'll be down in a minute, but point out that I'm much bigger than him, and he's seventy. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, now he's gone. I think one of the most interesting things I've ever come across is Neil Young thinking that him taking his music off Spotify is somehow a stand against the likes of Joe Rogan. Well, is it not? Uh, I don't think Neil Young carries the relevance he once did, Michael. Well, okay, yes, for sure. First of all, yeah, it's funny. It is. It's a weird thing because I'm against cancel culture, um, you just in, in general. And it's weird to see someone so old accidentally canceling himself, which is quite yeah. quite amusing. But on the other hand, Johnny Mitchell has now followed him, and yeah. sure, and sure, Neil Young is no Johnny Mitchell. Uh, sorry, Neil Young is no Joe Rogan, and Johnny Mitchell is no Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. But Neil Young and Johnny Ro- Johnny Mitchell, and Johnny Rogan, Johnny and Johnny Rogan, and. <laughs> Neil Rogan and Joe Young, all of those people together <laughs> might make up a Joe Rogan. But at the end of the day, Ben, all of these decisions are financial decisions. They're not um, they're not really political decisions. Go on. Because what's really interesting is not that uh, Neil Young has pulled his music and Johnny Mitchell has pulled her music off the platform. It's that their record company said, oh, yeah, sure, no worries. <laughs> you yeah. go ahead and do that that's true and what the reason they're doing that is because Spotify don't give a shit about music anymore yeah it's true they're shifting models Michael Spotify is a podcasting platform now so you know if all musicians end up pulling their music off Spotify you know all it takes is all it will take is one is a couple of 
and it seems it feels weird to call Neil Young and Johnny Mitchell B or C listers, but just because they're not currently very popular and in the public eye. But all it takes is one Taylor Swift to yeah. follow them, and the whole House of Cards comes down. Oh, that's a that's a fair point, Michael. I guess we'll have to sit tight and see what happens with the uh, the bloody Joe Young, Neil Mitchell, and uh, Joni Rogan saga. Exactly, meet Joe Young, as they say. Yes, meet Joe Young. Anyway, Michael, um, that that's a weird, that would be a weird sidekick team up, wouldn't it? All three of them working together. Very good. Uh, t- I'll tell you what, Michael. There's been some other weird sidekick team ups over the years. Oh, and, very uh, good. We'll take a look at them. Let's do. Let's do that indeed. Yeah. Uh, There's Michael, only so, so much padding uh, you can do, Ben. Yeah, well, I mean, we've we've probably run out of padding now, Michael. We've uh, we've padded too far to the sun. Mm. Anyway, come here to me, I'm Michael. Here. What is do it? you know what's always really kind of ground my gears? Oh, um, women in positions of power. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anything else? Um, minorities. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Um, what's the other thing I accuse you of? That's racism and sexism. Homophobia. Homophobia. Yes, the old gays, Ben. Oh yeah, oh, but oh, girl. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. But you know what actually does in a pop culture? Benjamin, the best bit of that bit was you reminding me that homophobia is the thing I accuse you of. <laughs> Just real casual, like, don't forget homophobia. <laughs> that's an important one. Fucking get on that's, with it. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. Sorry, I'm going to need a second. I quite enjoyed that exchange. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> yes, what is it? Michael, nothing drives me up a wall like a shite sidekick. Oh, right, yeah. I hate them, Michael. Yeah, well, get rid of them then. Yeah, they're so bad, Michael. They're so bad. Benjamin, yeah, side- yes. what do you mean? Uh, sidekicks have a long history, Michael, of just being there to do exposition there for a lot of the time michael yes even pre comic books pre saturday morning cartoons the sidekick is a staple in literature john um, watson john watson being the best example of it um probably because he's not annoying and terrible or racist mm. or a caricature of another ethnicity yes anything like that uh, you know we've avoided that but in literature the the one of the very first popular novels, Michael Robinson Crusoe by Willem Dafoe. Oh, Not yes. Willem Dafoe. Willem oh, Dafoe, the actor with Daniel. Dafoe. No, Daniel Dafoe. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Dafoe. <laughs> um, you know, Willem Dafoe has an enormous penis, apparently. Enormous, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lars von Trier said that they had to make a prosthetic to make it smaller <laughs> because people were unnerved by the ratio to his body. He I said, wonder, my cast was confused. I wonder if that's true or did Willem Dafoe just start acting like the Green Goblin and Lars von Trier said, just, I'll say whatever you want, Willem. <laughs> just let me publish your book about the man stuck on the island. I really like the notion that Willem Dafoe has a disconcerting penis. It really, like, it really, it really ties in with my understanding of that man. It's the internet's favorite thing of the week. Anyway, Ben, sorry. Um, Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe had Friday. Oh yeah, that's a bit racist. Uh, Friday is hella racist, Michael. It's an islander who can't speak English and communicates through a series of eye bulges and hand gestures. Um, and he's been thrown out by his savage tribe, and that's. How he finds Robinson Crusoe and they become best pals. Oh, good. Well, at least they become pals. They do become pals. They become very good pals. Uh, very good pals. And we see that trope kind of repeat itself, Michael, over the years. But especially in the world of crime fiction mm. and things like that, there's always a sidekick in crime fiction. Cato. So the, say again? Cato. Cato and the Green Hornet. Exactly. Uh, we have, as you pointed out, Michael, Watson and Holmes. Mm. Or Holmes and Watson, if you want to go with the superhero yeah. sidekick part. Uh, Tonto. Know, no, Tonto it's and the Lone Ranger, mm. Michael. Mm. Yeah. So Western serials really pushed that new character dynamic into the fore for media. Um, with the, the most famous example being just what you said, Tonto. Again, Michael, very racist. <laughs> Slightly racist, you could argue. Uh, very racist, Michael. Um, a parody of Native Americans and things ah, like that. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a parody. Parodies, uh, parody, parody makes it intentional. Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, savage misunderstanding. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about it, the thing about it, you know, and I, you know, Ben, I'm not a huge fan of judging things which were created in the past by the standards of today exclusively. Like, you can look back at something and say that that is quite racist by today's standard. But it's also interesting to take a look at at the standard of the time. And how many heroic Indians were there? Uh, probably quite a few that we don't know about. <laughs> no, I mean in popular culture. Oh. You know, I mean, Tonto is, okay, a bit a bit on the nose. Yeah. And was he played by an Indian actor on the TV? I know the TV isn't the Indian, Native American. Was the, he was not. The, uh, he wasn't, okay. He but was also, played by a man in red face. Ah, that's not great. But, you know, we, we're always saying representation matters. And it just so happens that the first steps of representation are often getting it slightly wrong, but in a broadly well-meaning way. Uh, what are your thoughts on that there, Ben? Well, that's not the topic of this week's podcast, so just answer that no, quickly and then we'll move on to sidekicks. No, but sidekicks are a huge part of representation. Sidekicks were often included later on uh, to allow people to see, mainly children, to see themselves in, in a, a superheroic role, you know, but they would later be branched out to up diversity and to broaden the the kind of cultural contributions of different things i mean it didn't work very well robins robins are mostly white um there's a girl one huh there's a girl there's a girl one um but now we have we have a new sidekick on the batman team uh duke Okay, who's he? Um, and Duke is a, a young black man from Gotham, and he has—he's uh, a metahuman, but he works with Batman, and it's—it's it's representation on screen. I think for a lot of underrepresented communities, um, very often the representation that they did get, as you've pointed out, was a first step. Um, and what we get quite often with that is just a very. What we would assume was parody, but actually wasn't. It's a misunderstanding of the character. So you have things like Black Lightning. Yes. Uh, or Luke Cage in his initial iterations. Okay, these aren't sidekicks, though. We're, we're very no, 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 no. Wait, okay, give go me on. a sec. Go give on, me all a right. sec. Okay. There's you a, got, there's a you larger got, point at work. You got one sec, then. Because it feels, it one feels sec. like you're going off topic, but go on. So those characters, when they were initially introduced, um, were not great representation. They were what white comic book writers thought black communities spoke like or black communities behaved like they were black exploitation films by any other name but as time went by michael yes those characters remained and they didn't want to get rid of them because they are the early steps so what do you do you introduce a bunch of side characters that act as a kind of fleshing out of the character or a new way for us to see the character in a cleaner form in the case of luke cage they gave him a family which doesn't really put us into the into the sidekick territory. But for people like Black Lightning, yes, his family becomes sidekicks. You have his daughter... Uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong now. Black Lightning S? No, I don't. Uh, but you have uh, his family who would become sidekicks to him. And then he becomes a mentor for other young black heroes like uh, Static Shock. Mm. Or Virgil Hawkins, if you're into that kind of thing. Virgil Hawkins has gone on to become his own hero in his own right. But in early representation, we usually got the the ham-fisted approach, and then sidekicks would be a way to round out those edges a little bit later. I see. I so, thought sidekicks just ex- ex- existed as a reason, for, as someone for kids to relate to. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons that they exist, Michael. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in now to a, a little thing I've 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 coined the Robin paradigm. Okay. Yeah, and you're gonna have to deal with it now. I'm right. dealing with it. Okay. So, oh, he's got are... his notebook. I have a notebook. He's got his notebook, ladies and gentlemen. Full of notes. I got notes. It's going to be an so, academic Michael, episode. An academic. <clears throat> get your academics on. I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. Anyway, tell us about Michael. what's going on. Robin is probably the mo- one of the most well-known, if not the most well-known, comic book sidekick. Yes. I don't think you could make an argument to the contrary. And initially, when he was introduced, Michael, you are spot on. It was a way for young people to see themselves in the comic books that they read. Yes, because they couldn't be Batman. He's too big. Yes, he's too he's too bloody big. Yeah, he's too big. And they've got no money. Kids they've don't got have no money. money. So they're like, I'll never be a millionaire. That's why we can't see ourselves as Batman. 
<laughs> it's socio-economic uh, restraint. Yes. But in this particular case, Michael, he was the boy wonder. And the emphasis used to be a lot more on the boy wonder. That was the whole point. He was a kid. He was amazing. He was able to do things that Batman couldn't do. A flip. And that original Robin was Dick Grayson, of course. And so using the Robin paradigm, we can take a look at two very different sidekicks. We have the good Grayson and the mm. terrible Todd. Oh, no. Okay. Now, if we look at why sidekicks are used, Michael, because you mentioned it a few times, there are two major ways they're used. They're used diegetically. Oh, <laughs> it's big word time. Uh, it's big word time, buddy. And extra diegetically. Now... Well, we want to look at that in a much simpler form. That diegetically simply means in their world. Yes. So in the world of the comic book or the mm. movie or the TV show. And extra diegetic means their function in our world. So I think how we... I think that's use... also a Fergie song. Uh, extra diegetic. <laughs> and yeah, I can't remember the rest of it, but you're absolutely right. Yes. I'm sure. Thank you. But from the point of view of an in their world function, Robin is a fantastic foil for Batman. Well, um, is he? He should probably go to jail for child abuse. Oh, several times over. Batman is nothing anyone should ever aspire to. Child endangerment of the highest order, Ben. Of the highest order, Michael. Um, not on. Do a flip over that lava. Oh, just inhale some of that toxic nerve gas there, please, and experience your worst trauma nightmares mm. so you can push the button and free me, Robin, you fool. Give this sexy plant lady a big kiss. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell Go on give her Go on a plan. Don't forget your plastic lips though Yeah How, how old are you anymore. Robin? How old are you just before you do this? You're 18 Okay grand <laughs> Alright go on Give her a smooch Work away uh, So anyway In general Robin's a pretty interesting thing And there's been different takes on why Batman took him on Some of the cynical takes we've had Frank Miller Who mm-hmm. wrote The now much maligned Um <laughs> he wrote he he attempted to make a comeback to comics with Jim Lee and he wrote the and a kind of new wave of Batman stories and they were mm. really bad but apparently he takes on Robin in a bright costume so criminals would aim at him oh, to oh that's cynical <laughs> which is dark yeah you shoot that brightly colored child fellow criminals <laughs> is, it's so dark <laughs> oh yeah you look great in those childhood colours yeah good good stuff stick Jesus. them on there do a big flip like, make a bit the, more the noise oh it was real bad and the other argument was that's why he encouraged Robin to talk so much so that they have an even better chance of being distracted and you know looking away but from that point of view he is useful he diffuses risk for Batman he's back up you know um, he's a good cop to Batman mm. Um as Dick Grayson got older, we saw him in the Nightwing iteration. And one of the things that Dick Grayson offers to criminals is, you know, you can talk to me or you can talk to Batman. Yeah, he's much worse. And most criminals in Gotham have some kind of fracture as a result of talking to Batman. So they're like, no, 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 I'll, 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 I'll talk to you. It's, it's, it's fine. That's how we <laughs> it's get. Okay. That's how we get people to let you interview them at Comic Con. Yeah, because they see you first. You, you can go, talk oh, to no Ben thanks. or you can talk to Mick, and I'm just standing over there, real sweaty. And they're like, ah, we'll talk to you. Well, I, I guess I guess we'll talk to you. That other yeah, fellow's side- very sweaty looking. Sidekicks in a, a podcasting environment are also a thing. From an extra diegetic point of view, Michael, they extra reflect... Extra diegetic. Extra diegetic. Anyway, from that point of view, Michael, they reflect far more what you say. They are a surrogate audience. They exist to help the audience understand the world that they've just entered Mm. they are a sounding board for the character because we don't often get to hear the main character you know wax lyrical or give their thoughts so when we have a new incomer it's a sounding board so we get lots of exposition and explanation and things like that so it's it's a way to include us in the world that's why deadpool and she hulk don't need one no so that is that is what we call um hyper diegetic and it it borders the the meta aspect of certain comics, a story within a story. All righty. Um, you know, and, and that's a whole other realm of things. We get very few sidekicks who can access um, hyper-diegetic storylines. It's, it's usually 
sidekicks are interesting they they aren't given that meta status that other characters can get because i guess it doesn't make sense to have a main character if someone else has a meta ability and if they have a meta ability surely they're the main it's a whole thing anyway it's a whole thing this is why dick grayson becomes the perfect sidekick Ben, you have said dick so much on this podcast we're going to get demonetized um yeah i mean look we we'll do a few anti-vax episodes on spotify (laughs) give us a deal grant Grant, there's a whole strategy in play here in 2022, Mike. Yeah. Do we really know what's in them, Ben? Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm very health conscious, Michael. No, get no. Let's not do this because people <laughs> might not case. realize this is parody. <laughs> Jesus, get back on with it. Uh, so anyway, anyway, anyway. Yes. This is why Dick Grayson became the all-time Robin. This is why he's great because he fulfilled all this criteria in a clean, easy way. Okay. Yes. And then, Michael, it came time to let Dick Grayson advance past the mantle of Robin and into his own iteration. And that created tension in the 80s storylines. And, you know, it was time for the big shift from the Silver Age in the 70s. And so he became Nightwing. Ooh, off the big he shift. went, Michael. Huh? The big shift. He got the big shift from Uma Thurman. He got Thurman, the big remember? shift, Michael. He got the big shift. And off he did go and become Nightwing. And then he was replaced by... Then, then, then... Jason Todd. Oh, boo. Yeah, so Jason Todd is the greatest marketing failure or editorial decision um, failure that I have ever seen in modern comics. Jim Starlin took over the Batman titles for a a couple of years in the 80s, and he was the man responsible for the introduction of Jason Todd. Hmm. And he did what a lot of DC writers did in the 70s, uh, sorry, in the 80s, and he felt that comics had gotten out of touch with young people. So they would create a sidekick or a persona that they thought reflected the attitude of young people at that time. Hey, what's cool, my fellow youngsters? Exactly. So it becomes the Steve Buscemi uh, meme of what's up, my fellow kids. And it, mm. it's a little bit like that. We see it a few different times. Um, Snapper Carr got introduced at one point and he was he was the cool intern for the justice league and he was called snapper car because he liked snapping his fingers because that oh, was real what cool. an absolute <laughs> asshole bet you he was fucking useless <laughs> he was he didn't even have powers get rid of him <laughs> he was shit but we also saw jason todd introducing jason todd as a mean kid from the wrong side of the tracks and uh we meet him in a scene where he's trying to steal the wheels off the batmobile very famous. Yeah. And so Batman, fresh off the, the the grieving process for Nightwing, goes, oh, do you know what? About time I took another kid under my wing. Yeah, and this one's expendable because he's a criminal. Because <laughs> he's a criminal. So he's morally open to being murdered. It's great. Um, And from there, Jim Starlin proceeded to write him kind of as a... Oh. Real prick. A prick, yeah. A rebel, a prick, uh, you know, all of these things. And what we saw in that character, Michael, is a failure to fulfill the the criteria that I laid out before this. He no longer served as a way the audience could access the character because they didn't relate to him anymore. You know, they weren't filled with confusion and wonder and things like that. He was just snarky and mean and weird. And uh, it, it was strange. The, the characters, a lot of fans couldn't relate to him. I think the primary reason that Jason Todd failed is because people who had grown up with Dick Grayson weren't children anymore. Mm. So they and saw I themselves that, in Nightwing maturing and going off on their own adventures. Yeah, and they could kind of relate to that. But they were also kids when they were first introduced to the concept of a sidekick. Yeah. And then they got this brand new kid and they were like, what, what the fuck is with this kid's attitude? And they're like, well, sometimes, you know, teenagers are like that. Well, I wasn't. I No, you were a wonderful teenager. Um, no, I don't mean me personally. I'm, I was doing. I was being the voice of the reader. No, you were being the voice of the reader. I was great. Yeah, uh, kids so who I were reading comic books weren't failed. stealing tires. But, but anyway, slowly over time, Batman kind of gets gaslit by Jason Todd into doubting his own worth as a parent and a guardian and all these things because he is a terrible guardian. So terrible. I don't know if it was gaslit. Do a backflip over this lava. <laughs> oh, why? But anyway, Denny O'Neill had gotten numerous letters kind of lambasting the character and so he put it up to the famous competition in 1989 
um, where DC started up their own uh, phone in line mm. for 50 cents a call. 10,000 people called. Yeah. And the the vote won by 72 votes um, to get rid of Jason Todd. Ben, you have to explain what the vote was. The vote uh, was, call in now if you want Jason Todd to get baiten with a crowbar to death. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly that, Michael. It was, call in now if you want to get rid of Jason Todd. And this launched the famous death in, uh, death in the family arc that Batman is famous for now. And it only won by 72 votes, Michael, which I find fascinating. Mm, that could have been you. Um, it could have been any of us, Michael. It could have been any of us. 72 votes is nothing at all. George Trump uh, would have demanded a recount. Probably several. But mm. he then dies in, in what is frankly a, a very horrific way. He tries to find his birth mother in the Lebanon. And uh, is beaten to death so that he cannot escape and save his mother, who's executed by the Joker. And then the whole building blows up on top of him. It's really grim. But, um, yeah. Come back fromable. You come back fromable if you're into universal shifting cracks in the multiverse. Yeah, I thought he just survived. Uh, no, it depends on which version you read, Michael. In some versions, he's saved by Rachel Ghul. In other versions, um, the the universe shifted a crack and certain events were undone in the in the temporal landscape no use oh michael some some amount of bollocks <laughs> get rid of it some amount of bollocks in comics but therein represents kind of the the shift in the characters so readers really don't like when they can't relate to a character and more importantly when editors make the decision to kind of speak to the kids hello fellow kids yeah we get a failure in the in the role. So there have been a, a few dire examples of sidekicks over the mm. years that have just really mucked up a, a, a character and how it was going. So would you like me to start, Michael, or would you like you to start? No, you start. You go ahead, because I don't really have any examples like that. I have a couple of other interesting examples of, of, of sidekicks which are weird, but we'll, we can get those in a minute. Oh, okay. Well, that's... You okay. go ahead. Cool. Cool. Um, so one of the earliest examples of this is Toro, Michael. Oh, yeah. What's a Toro? Toro is the sidekick to the original Human Torch. No, I know that, but what is a Toro? It's a bull, Michael. Oh, okay. Toro, Toro, as they say in Seville. <laughs> now, all right. Uh, so, but Toro is the sidekick to the original Human Torch. The original Human Torch was an android, Michael, that yes. could light himself on fire. Mm, and children he could light children on fire apparently which he did with yeah. young toro um so this poor young fella meets the human torch and then comes away with the ability to light himself on fire now michael where this gets a bit on the nose is that both his parents died in a fire um oh. originally in comics orphan sidekicks were a thing oh yeah you could just find any orphan child and set them alight Fucking put wings on them. Do whatever you want. A character. But it failed horribly as a thing because it was just the hero again. They made a mini-me. Mm. And it was completely pointless and moot and really irritated readers because they were like, what is the point of this character? He brings nothing to the table. He does bring something. Smaller flames. Smaller flames. Sparks. Mm. <laughs> but uh, Toro we've seen actually, Michael, in the recent Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Oh, go on. A series. Toro is um, the young army man who gives Falcon a hand every is once he? in a while. I thought That's he was Toro. The, I thought he was the next Falcon. Yeah, he will be the next Falcon, but it is Toro. It's the same character from uh, the original 1940s comics. How come he's not on fire anymore? I don't know, Michael, but I'm waiting to see him being lit on fire. How come he was Hispanic? There was no Hispanics in the 40s in comics. There was no Hispanics in the 40s. Full stop, Michael. I don't <laughs> think you'll find it was in the comics. As far as we're aware... As far as we're aware, let's not look into the records. But we got that one, Michael. All right, go on. Um, which is pretty bad. But one of my favorite ones, keeping on the kind of Captain America and Winter Soldier ones is, have you heard of Free Spirit? No, I haven't, Ben. Oh, Michael, in 1994. So, in the long and distant past. The long and distant past. Cast your mind back to 1994, We'd only had Hispanics for a few years. <laughs> for a few years. And what we got, Michael, was an editor who said, oh... Ah, oh, this heavy render era sure is great for pocket pouches and padding. Ah, oh, mostly yeah. men. And mostly men. But you know what we could use a few more of? Dames. Dames with um, thongs, probably, if it was 1994. So w- what we got, 
Michael was was free spirit, and free spirit was a woman who was brainwashed to hate men. Oh yeah, plenty of those these a, days, Ben. You were saying, and put through a similar process as Captain America. Right. She came out with similar abilities to Captain America, which were, which were super strength, punch. endurance. Yeah. Uh, you know, an enhanced mental processing power, the whole nine. The whole nine yards, yeah. Overcame her... Hatred of Overcame men. her brainwashing, her man-hating okay. brainwashing, thanks to Captain America's steady male hand. Yeah, okay, very good. <laughs> and uh, then proceeds wh- wh- to fight crime alongside Captain America in 1994 as Free Spirit. For, what was her uh, man-hating name? I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. I'll look but, it up. You keep spinning your wheels. I I need to know this. <laughs> but free spirit, Michael, was just a was just an excuse to draw boobs. Um, it sounds like you've just discovered comics, Ben. Yeah, but this character is so bad, Michael, because it's just she's just I'll never be brainwashed again and she's ah, oh, it's such a strange character Michael but that was free spirit and that's not the first time that Captain America has had a bizarre sidekick um, we also had D-Man um, have you ever heard of D-Man Michael? no go on so D-Man is uh, Demolition Man that's, that's what he is and okay. Wesley Snipes. He found Daredevil's old costume. Oh, I have heard of him, yes. Yeah, he found Daredevil's old costume, the original yellow costume that Daredevil wore before he transitioned to the now iconic red. Mm. And he found one of Wolverine's old masks, and he combined the two to become Demolition Man, Mm. or D-Man. Because he has the Daredevil D on his chest. (laughs) He has the Daredevil D on his chest. Um, Yeah... He gets killed a bunch of times and he refuses to refer to himself in anything other than the third person. Very good. Like Ben. <laughs> so he goes around saying, D-Man's here to save the day. D-Man's got your back, Cap. Um, and naturally, readers were just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Can you take it easy, please? Can we have less of that? Um, and he was killed off. He's been killed off several times over mm. the continuity of the of the uh, sorry, of the Captain America comics, and it's just a disaster. Just a disaster, now, Michael. He's back, he's fine. He's, he's back, is he? He's back and he's fine. He's back and he's fine. Michael, you hit the nail on the head before we started this episode. I want to have a few minutes talking about 80s characters. Benjamin, first of all, hold on, before we even get to that, because I watched Super. Have you ever seen the film Super? I have. James Gunn's 2010 um, Rain Wilson and Elliot Page vehicle Super. A classic. You, you see, it's not a classic, Ben. It's a very unpleasant watch. It's, it's a so weird, weird, weird film. It's it's black comedy to the point of, oh, very hard to watch. Yeah. Very hard to watch and certainly not something that one would enjoy. Black comedy is very kind, Michael. Black, black, the blackest hearted comedy you've ever seen in your life interspersed with horrible violence, graphic violence and mm. rape and, oh, it's gross. Oh, it's, it's very gross. It's one of the grossest films I've ever seen, but on purpose, not accidentally. Funnily enough, Ben, throwing back to where this all started with Vigilante as a sidekick for, um, for what's his name? Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Yeah. This, a lot of this is a prototype for the show Peacemaker. And yeah. It's very interesting to go back and watch it. Have you, Ben, I, I, I dare you to look up the title sequence of the film Super on YouTube after this. Okay, and compare it back with your beloved opening sequence to um to Peacemaker. It's a very interesting, it's a very interesting comparison. I remember watching that movie, Michael, when I was much younger. Yeah, and being so years confused ago. by it. Oh, it's very confusing. It's um, um it's all over the place. It's, it's yeah. So, what it's about, Ben, is it's about a man. It's a man with mental health issues. Yeah. Um, probably like undiagnosed but actual real mental health issues like schizophrenia or you know paranoid delusions and he decides after his wife uh, leaves him to become a superhero and Mm. he just dresses up in a terrifying red homemade suit that he thinks he's had a revelation from god and he hits people with a pipe wrench 
And yeah. it's horrible. It's horrible. He's horrible. He's not intentionally horrible. He thinks he's doing right. And but he is the, horrible. One of the best things about it is that it doesn't... There isn't a character in it who goes out of the way to point out that he's doing the bad things. It right. lets you. It lets you inhabit the situation with him. And you know as a functioning person, oh, he's the baddie. But... It doesn't. It doesn't say that. But anyway, Ben, that's not what we're talking about. What we're what we're talking about today is the character of Libby. Yeah, the sidekick. The sidekick, Ben, because that's what we're talking about. So he meets Libby, and Libby is even more mental, Ben. To use a yeah, very to use a very kind uh, and professionally uh, used term, she's even more mental. Yeah, and yeah. she she doesn't. She barely even has the veneer of being a superhero she just wants to hurt people yeah she he's a vehicle for her to kind of act out all the weird little things going on in her head yeah yeah it's an opportunity for her to we don't it doesn't dig down into her we don't learn much about her character really so you have to speculate on what might have made her so wrong and is it a past of violence or is it hero worship going mad or you know does she have an undiagnosed mental condition, but she almost, almost certainly, certainly does. A combination of all three, all three, Ben, and it's it's a there's a very unpleasant scene where she rapes the main character, despite him being a six foot four lump, and her being a tiny little woman, and it's very gross and unpleasant. Oh, it's such a strange movie. I think it takes all those, you know, over the years we've had various tropes making fun of Robin Batman dynamic or any superhero psychic dynamic and we've seen various iterations where comic authors have suggested that maybe it's not so pure mm. you know maybe it's not so good we've seen stuff in in things like the, um, the Venture Bros there's a there's a kind of a, a Batman-esque um, Superman-esque combo hero and he constantly adopts children but it, it turns out he might be molesting them it's really well, dark but the interesting thing about this one is that it's the sidekick who is the molester yeah so there's a strange inversion of the the traditional trope her worship is almost the weird toxic thing uh, it's not almost it it is no, no it is sorry like, it is that's i mean that's the real terrible thing that happens in it other than that it's just a gross action movie but the whole third act is set in motion by a sequence of events where they kill a couple of henchmen she reveals her romantic interest in him. He completely innocently and professionally says, no way, not a chance. She rapes him. He vomits and decides, this is it. I'm. That's the thing that pushes him over the edge. He vomits and sees his kidnapped wife's face in the vomit. And then they go and she gets killed in a very brutal way. Very quickly, if I remember. Mm. Very, very quickly and suddenly and surprisingly. Bloody James Gunn. Oh, it's it's very unpleasant, Ben. And you're thinking the whole time, like, is this a moral lesson? Is she... Are we happy she's dead because she's horrible? Because it's a fun superhero film and sometimes they're having adventures and the next thing you know, she has half her head's missing and you're thinking, she wasn't great though, was she? She was a bit horrible. She wasn't a good person, but it's you're, not, you're never left with a resolution in that film, I find. Well, you kind of are. That's the problem. The, the the really weird thing about that film is you do get a resolution where they rescue his wife and she goes off and lives a normal life. She leaves him and she goes off and lives a normal life and he suffers no repercussions for his actions. Oh. And, and that's presented, although it might be being presented in a black comedy way, as a right. good thing, as a happy ending. Hmm. But what I was thinking, Ben, and where I throw back again to Super almost being a prototype. Super really feels like a prototype for Peacemaker. Okay. I challenge you to go back and watch it and, and go, oh, Steve Agee's in it, Ben. Who's that now? You John Economus. Oh, okay. He has one line. Oh, John Economus. <laughs> Just be mates with James Gunn and you're sorted. And yeah. um, But what it shares in common with um, Peacemaker is obviously a red-suited big lump as a main character. Yep. who has some sort of past trauma that makes them not able to relate to people normally. Very good. And then they pick up a sidekick character who's even more deranged. Vigilante. Vigilante and uh, the, Libby eventually calls herself Bolty. And yeah. their their sidekick character is lacking their moral centre. Their sidekick character just loves doing violence. Yeah. 
and they're not a foil so much as an extension. They're well, they're they're both a kind of like. Well, I suppose our main character isn't very likable, but at least they're not as bad as this person. Oh, okay. So they are a foil in a very different way. It's like this is what could happen. Yeah, mm. like this is what they would be like if they didn't have the moral center. So I guess we will root for them. Oh, it's very iffy, isn't it? <laughs> That's James Gunn for you, Ben. Anyway, Ben, yeah. on, on a lighter note, Ben, the real reason, and we all know it, that psychics exist, is for kids to be able to relate to and therefore want to buy, buy, the, buy the toys. Buy those toys. Buy those toys. Or, Ben, watch that cartoon or buy the film or go to the cinema or whatever you need kids to hassle their parents into doing. And the that's more why sidekicks the merrier. The more get them in as many sidekicks as you can fit. Get them in, yeah. and I would nearly include Ben non-verbal cheery mascots in it as well. Snarf, 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 snarf. Ben, Thundercats is interesting because it has both snarf, snarf as the classic trope of the cowardly, humorous, non-verbal sidekick. Yeah, you've got your snarfs, you've got your slimers, you've got your. A few others, Ben. I can't think Orco of any of them. or Battlecat or whichever well, one you want to... Battlecat, let's say. Yeah. yeah. But then you've also got Wily Cat and Wily Kit, who are the precocious kid characters. Ugh. And, oh, Ben, what you want to do is you want to go and get them, round them all up and put them all in the big bin together. Get your <laughs> Wily Cat, your Wily Kit. Go, go over to the Mask Universe, Ben, and get T-Bob and whatever Matt Tracker's precocious son's name was. Put them in the same bin. Go, to, go pop over to the Transformers universe, Ben, and pick up Spike and Daniel Witwicky. <laughs> Get rid of both of them. They're all just the worst. The worst, Michael. No use at all. Kid but, sidekicks um, have a special place in hell, Michael. The funny thing about those kid sidekicks from the 80s is they are all exactly the same character. Yeah. Again, it, it, they're attempting that extra diegetic thing of, oh, look, look, that's you. That's you. That's you. You could be in it. You could be friends with a little egg robot man who turns into a scooter. Would you like that? Would you like would that? You, would you like to be friends with T-Bob? I think, no, I wouldn't, actually. I want to Just be friends to ask with... your mother to buy it now for nine yeah. ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine. Do you want to be friends with Scooter, the GoBot who turns into a scooter and is a prick? <laughs> no, thank do you, you, sir. Do you want to be friends with Leader One, who turns into a cool fighter jet, or do you want to be friends with Scooter, who's tiny and ineffectual? No, thank you, sir. Ben, why did they think we wanted it? I didn't want it. I watched those cartoons when I was a kid, and I was like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be one of the cool ones. I, I don't know if it's... Formula is a powerful thing when it comes to TV, and I genuinely think the people that get to make decisions on television don't necessarily understand that what they watched when they were younger isn't what people want anymore. Go on. I think in the original iteration of cartoons, those early days of cartoons, post-Fleischer era, uh, heading into the, the late 60s and 70s where we got the Jetsons and the Flintstones and... yeah. You know, we got we got things like that. That ensemble cast, you know, you had your sassy one, you had your kid character, you had your non-verbal cute character, mm. you had the weird comic relief. So in the Jetsons, you had George Jetson, who was essentially the Ralph Kramer character in any kind of, in not Ralph Kramer, uh, guy from the Honeymooners, doesn't matter. You had that character who would come in and he was, oh, he was the, the fuddy-duddy dad. And, oh, nothing ever goes my way. Mm. And you had Fred Flintstone on the opposite side of that. When you went further into that, each character would kind of a thing. So you'd have the calm, cool-headed wife who put up with her husband's shenanigans. Uh, and you'd have that in Wilma or Mrs. Jetson in the case of the Jetsons. Then you'd have your non-verbal characters. So you had Dino the dinosaur, the weird cat thing in the Flintstones, etc. And Dino made a really stupid noise. Have you ever seen the Flintstones cartoon recently? Never seen it or heard of it. He has like a really high-pitched... You've never heard of the Flintstones? No, what is it? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Screw you. The Flintstones? Um, is it the Flintstones? He's a, he's, he's a really high-pitched, annoying character. But that formula was established very early on and continued. Um, I mean... Funny, we've missed one, but the, the one of the most maligned um, sidekicks of all time is Scrappy-Doo. Oh, we forgot about Scrappy-Doo, Ben. No one likes him. 
no one likes Scrappy, and it's because he's all of the things that a TV executive thought they'd like. We'll make him small. He'll be like the main character. He'll be he'll be a fast talker in a small body, and people don't like it. People yeah. are just like, no, thank you. Mm. <laughs> I, mm. I will have less of that, please. Less um, of that. Yeah, but it's it's an interesting one. Sure, look, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. What do you think? What what sidekick from your youth or what sidekick from today really just makes you want to punch the screen on which you are consuming your media? I don't mind Tails. Tails, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't love him or hate him, but I, he doesn't. He doesn't boil my blood the way bloody T Bob does. <laughs> T Bob really gets you. Huh? Oh, um, I don't even know if that's his real name. I don't know what his name is, Michael, but I'm going to let you hate him anyway, because that's important. Ladies and gentlemen, you can get in touch with us in a few different ways to let us know which sidekicks you hate the most. Um, so you can get in touch with us on the interwebs at www.shomrabyog.com. Look at that little eggy prick, Ben. <laughs> he looks like Herbie from the Fantastic Four. Oh, he's he can also get in, a much hated sidekick. He can get in the bin with him. Yeah. <laughs> www.shomrabyog.com. <laughs> It means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on the interwebs at Sherlock uh, Sherlock Listen Podcast. Can you? Uh, no, Instagram. Sorry, find us on Instagram <laughs> at Sherlock Listen. You threw off my thing with the stupid little egg man. I right. find us on Instagram at Sherlock Listen Podcast. You can yes. uh, get in touch with us in lots of different ways, ladies and gentlemen. But the best way to do it is to get up on that Discord, baby. H- hop up on it, as Fergie would say. We have also just launched our own free phone hotline, 555-6262. You can ring in, ladies and gentlemen, and tell us which character on this podcast you'd like to see die. Would you like to see the epic hero Mick die or his very annoying sidekick Ben? You can ring in now Ah, and give us a shout. Yeah, do ring in. Vote Ben. (laughs) 